0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Healing Touch, Not Suicidal, Shige Moto's Bodyguard, and Fatal Obsession.
1: Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. This is reenacted at Unsolved Mysteries Podcast, and um. Mm. I'm not sure how you want to play this, Crystal. Do do you just want to start talking about whatever it was <laughs> you're going to talk about, or do I ask this question I asked off no, the air? You know, as a, I as I said,
0: I don't need the prompt. Okay, I don't need the prompt. Okay. It's fine. I was just think, you know, just as I was saying my own name right now. I do you ever just space out and forget what you're called?
1: <laughs>
0: I kind of just had a moment where I was like, "Who am I?" <laughs> we were introducing ourselves Uh, it's it's hard
1: it's Um, it's it's hardly the only thing i've i've forgotten when i've spaced out so
0: yeah i was saying crystal and i was like who is crystal like what is that name man but that's not what i wanted to talk about um yeah i guess so this is probably going to come out oh let's say i carry the one this is going to come out right before the christmas holiday um so I was thinking about and everyone, uh, even if you're not particularly a Christmas person. I think people have their favorite sort of holiday movies, mm. and I think a lot of uh, a lot of hay has been made recently, yeah, um, by people on the internet and elsewhere about um, a Christmas movie is basically any movie. That features or takes place during the Christmas holidays. And so, you know, a couple years ago, people were like, Oh, Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie. I can't argue with that. Die Hard's a Christmas movie.
1: Go to the coast, we we'll get together, have a few laughs.
0: Yeah. Um so I in that vein, what are some of your favorite movies that take place during Christmas time if maybe they're not just the oh. traditional or hallmark? Variety type of person. Oh, this movie. is
1: an interesting prompt. I, uh, she would actually kind of like hinted at it before we started recording.
0: Well, I mean, you can you can think about it. I can talk about two of my favorites. Well, uh,
1: I, I can throw I can throw the the one that immediately comes to my mind, and mm-hmm. then you can, you yeah. can uh, throw your two, and then will turn it back to yeah. me, and you'll be like, Robbie, did you, did you think of anything else? And I'll just sort of stare blankly yeah. and be like, Robbie, who is that? <laughs> so I would say that the unorthodox sort of Christmas movie that I would work up in into the lineup, would be Batman Returns. Ooh. 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 I I like this response you're giving, yeah.
0: You're right. Right? Yes, (laughs) I actually think we watched that around the holidays last year.
1: Oh really? Yes. So, so yeah so Yeah and yeah. I
0: I kind of like memory hold it but yeah that's a that's a really good yeah, one. Yeah it
1: takes place during the season I think very early on we mm-hmm. see Alfred doing Christmas shopping right? So Yeah, yeah. I I feel like
0: that's a great thank answer. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I <laughs> gosh I, I'm really pleased with <laughs> myself now. It's only going to make
0: Well it's yeah. It's got, it's both Batman, but more so Batman Returns has a very dreamlike quality as well. Mm-hmm. And the set dressing and all of that is, uh, yeah, it's just sort of that over the top holiday. I mean, everything about Christmas is kind of tacky, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I don't love it. It's just kind of a tacky holiday. And I think that Tim Burton touch because uh, kind of, it actually kind of puts me in the mood, yeah. a little yeah, bit, you know. Right. That's a that's a great yeah. I
1: feel like I just uh, came out onto the court and slipped, and the ball flew out of my hands <laughs> and made a three pointer.
0: <laughs> well, I I wasn't. There was no right answer here. It was just whatever, <laughs> whatever you were feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think my non-conventional favorites. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang okay. is a, uh, have you seen that?
1: I have not.
0: It's, um. I've seen. Ostensibly a movie about, it's a Shane Black movie, so it's very quippy. Uh, it's got yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, and Michelle Monaghan in it. It came out in the early 2000s, I believe, and it was right, right before, when Robert Downey Jr. was being like, rehabilitated into movies once again (laughs) but prior to well before uh, iron man and uh it's just it's 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 a story about a guy who kind of finds himself caught up in a murder plot and in los angeles during the holidays so it starts the movie starts off at a holiday party and um it's yeah i i it's ostensibly (laughs) It's Christmas adjacent. Yeah, well, this as movie. as much
1: as any of these are, yeah, I, I I've seen Kiss uh, Kiss Bang Bang and like, yeah, I I remember I distinctly remember it being on the shelves when I worked at um, Hollywood Video, but uh, I just never got around to watching it. So I I may have to. Um, I'll put the, i'll I'll throw that into the uh into the mix of the stuff that people tell me, hey you know there's this movie, and mm-hmm. you know i I might may in fact investigate it one day so but
0: um the one that we watched last weekend because it wanted to get in the cozy Christmas spirit was uh, eyes wide shut <laughs> um
1: <laughs> yes yes um uh I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was actually going to mm-hmm. be my next answer. So this works, really? yeah, this works great.
0: <laughs> it, that movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's great. It's a great, it's a great movie, but, uh, yeah, the whole thing takes place in the, in the time right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of visuals, um, You know, I was listening to another actual film podcast, and originally in the um, the book that uh, Kubrick worked the screenplay off of, the main character Doctor Bill is uh, supposed to be Jewish, and so um, it's it's not played like that in the movie. They definitely celebrate Christmas in their home, but what it sort of the way that it's dressed and sort of the sort of a Christmas accoutrement. <laughs> um, are kind of now these aren't my words, but as this other podcast was saying, you know, it's kind of like a Jew's impression of Christmas. Oh, fascinating! And I think that's
1: yeah, okay,
0: yeah, because you're 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 kind of it's just a lot of twinkly lights and color and tinsel, <laughs> but it's not really there's no there there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. um
1: Yeah, I mean.
0: Interesting that you were going to say that as well. I
1: know, right? Yes, I. I feel like, yeah. There's, there's just he bits and pieces of, uh, of, of Christmas in there. Obviously, winter weather. Um, I think in the beginning they're attending some sort of Christmas party, ostensibly mm-hmm. Christmas party. Yeah, and then.
0: Yeah, it's never outright stated but that's clearly what's going yeah. on based on what the how the house is decorated right yeah. exactly
1: and uh, I think uh you know there's yeah. there's a few Christmas trees or just strands of Christmas lights in a few few locations mm-hmm. um, I <laughs> I'm <laughs> just super pleased that you mentioned I was white chud. I I don't feel like such a weirdo now for having that be my <laughs> the Christmas movie I was going to throw out. Um, it's yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, it, it's when you mention that thing about the, the perspective of um, sort of the perspective it gives on Christmas. I, I do, I do feel like, yeah, if, um, you know, on, a, on its, um, on its surface, if you're just sort of like encountering it all the time, but in just, you know, the, The superficial trimmings of it it would just be like, yeah, tinsel and lights. It's like um, Mm -hmm. um, I remember speaking uh, to a British acquaintance once and they described like, you know, they described um, uh, the 4th of July as fireworks day (laughs) which is uh, not not too far yeah. off from uh, when you consider how it mostly gets spent. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, if you live where I live, any day can be fireworks day, <laughs> um,
1: I, and very often is. Do you uh, out of before we um, dive into this episode? Uh, uh-uh. uh, out of curiosity, real quick, do you have a favorite Kubrick uh-uh. film?
0: Or, um, I mean, it's eyes wide a... shut, but I have no. to tell you, I am, mom- I am mo- mere moments away from sitting down to watch Barry Lyndon. <gasps> it's, the poll is strong, and I know that you love it, and I, and I have seen some. I didn't know what it was about, and then so I kind of feel like I know more what it's about now, and I'm like very interested. Oh and watching it as it's sort of it seems like it's just sort of a mood yeah you know
1: yeah I f-
0: and I'm like ready for that
1: okay good good yeah I think I think
0: we have a copy of it so I just need to oh, fan- boot it up and oh, watch fantastic.
1: it fantastic I think I think you hit the nail on the head it has you have it's a film you have to be in the mood it's um hmm it's not as easily accessible as many many other films just in terms of oh i'll just put in a movie watch it, enjoy it like almost almost entirely with you know without variation every time i've sat someone down and had them watch it they it's not been an enjoyable experience for them <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think this might be like, you know, Saturday morning before Dave gets up, I'm drinking coffee and watching Barry Lyndon in the den. You know, I think it's going to be kind of a just, I don't know. It just, I'm in the mood for mood movies. So that's Uh, the thing about Eyes Wide Shut. It's a mood. Yes, yes. And, uh. I I like that sometimes. I it's, yeah, you have to be in a specific headspace to like for something like that to keep your attention. Um, but yeah, I think Eyes Wide Shut is my favorite Kubrick movie, mm-hmm. followed very closely by The Shining. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I uh, you know props to Doctor Strangelove, yes. and that's that's it. That's my okay, list cool. of Kubrick. That's films. Fu- no,
1: that's fine. I <laughs> yeah,
0: is Barry Lyndon your favorite? Oh, it
1: is. Um, okay, I mean.
0: Okay. Well, then I I'll get to yeah. it. I got to I got to get on this.
1: Yeah, I and I I'm just not saying that to be con- contrarian, though there's pr- there's probably mm-hmm. some element of that. But I mean, and, you know, obviously period costume film it makes it interesting for me. Um yeah. and I don't know, like personally, I find it to be really funny, but uh <laughs>
0: yeah it seems like i'm gonna enjoy it yeah so i gotta sit down and watch it. yeah
1: i the most recent person i had watch it i i don't know i guess they were not in the mood and so there's a there's a i want not to go into any details but there's a scene where someone challenges someone to a duel in this movie and of course it being kubrick it's about like three or four minutes before like the person actually reaches the other person to issue the duel so it's just like a lot of walking around in a building with uh, the right music and and you know camera work and all that and you know the duel gets challenged and then you cut to like where they're having the duel and you know they're like explaining the rules and they're loading the pistols and it, 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 like eventually my friend is watching this just like in the exasperation shouts out at the screen, do something. <laughs> 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 oh, good times, good times. Well, well, good, glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we we have so much movie overlap. I mean, I kind of feel like like if. I was, if I lived in a big city, like in an apartment, and mm-hmm. it was like, it's Christmas time and it's snowing out, I feel like I would mm-hmm. put on Eyes Wide Shut as my background sort of music mood movie while I'm looking out the window <laughs> watching the snow fall. So,
0: this is really becoming the Kubrick episode, isn't it? I had to keep <laughs> pausing. I'd rather talk about Kubrick films, frankly, than Therapeutic Touch, yeah. but I guess we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I had to keep pausing the movie with Dave because I was just like, look at how this shot is framed. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Like, I'm just like losing my mind every um, couple of minutes uh, on stuff and eyes wide shut. I mean, of course, everybody remembers the big orgy scene, but it is. Right. Um, It's so much more than that. It is a really uh, lovely, it's a mood.
1: Yeah. It's a Christmas mood. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's a weird Christmas (laughs) mood. Yes. Sometimes Christmas can be weird. Not every Christmas is hot cocoa with your family. Sometimes it's wandering around Manhattan trying to fuck and being completely unsuccessful at it. (laughs) Try to cheat on your wife.
1: Happy holidays, everyone.
0: (laughs) And then vaguely, uh, being, uh, someone threatens to murder you and your family. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Oh, good times. Good times.
0: Um, yeah. Well, hey, should we talk about season six, episode 19 of Unsolved Mysteries?
1: I feel like in the context <laughs> of knowing, what the next segment is, you saying that may, may be a little tongue-in-cheek, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've also, we've also
0: spent 15 minutes uh, on something else, so if you can't tell that we're completely procrastinating uh, okay. on this, you may ask yourselves, why are these people, you know, they've they've put the work in. This is what, episode 120? Yeah. They've put the time in, they could just quit now instead of wasting all of our time. Uh, advertising themselves as an unsolved mysteries podcast and then trying to talk about anything else besides the episode uh you're right yeah that's what we're doing I don't know why we're doing it but we uh we sold draw I, I
1: feel like recently we've got <laughs> with this nonsense yeah, I, I feel like recently we've gotten some input where people are actually like yeah I like the the random weird stuff that you guys talk about yeah yeah thank yeah. you everybody. Yes. Uh, So, therapeutic touch. Um,
0: Yeah, what do you know about
1: it? I don't think I had properly heard about it before uh, watching this segment. Uh, It Mm -hmm. seems to be that um, if you... Involves like moving your hands a few inches over someone's body and you're interacting Mm -hmm. with (sighs) energies... And, yeah <laughs> and that's you know yes. that's doing the, the the that's doing healing um yeah Robert Stack is very careful to mention at the beginning of this that uh mm. they don't they typically like you have to take your classes and get certified <laughs> before sure yeah, yeah before practicing this because which I mean is is a nice it bookends at the end of the segment where he he mentions like that all the people they interviewed like warned don't try this without proper training
0: <laughs> right uh, i mean I, I mean we'll get into it with michael ziegler and and his mother yeah. um here about you know worst case versus best case outcomes with therapeutic touch at least as presented by unsolved mysteries right. Um, i'm i'm not here to try to evaluate the merits of therapeutic touch as a practice beyond what unsolved mysteries gave us yeah you know so that said
1: so yeah in in the segment like um we we get like a reenactment of you know this um this little kid named michael siegler well i mean he's little in in the reenactment his mom's dropping him off at whoa
0: whoa whoa wait a minute hold on a second sorry so at the beginning of eyes wide shut yeah the, the host of the party Sidney pollock's character mm-hmm. his last name is Ziegler.
1: <gasps> holy Whoa. shit you're right
0: holy shit
1: i mean i uh, damn uh and he was a doctor
0: I just got no, the wait, chills. No, wait, not him. Yeah, uh, I just Tom got Cruise's the chills. character was
1: a doctor. You know.
0: Yeah, we don't actually know what the Ziegler's... or what Mister. Oh, Ziegler
1: yeah, Siegler. I mean, I'm sure he's. I think he's just. He has so much money that inherited that the money just makes money, and that's right. Yeah, uh,
0: he's a he's a professional pervert. <laughs>
1: right? Um, now you know all the times that we saw Tom Cruise practicing medicine did he actually use any medicine in that in that film or was he just waving his hands over the over Odine uh, prostitute I feel like
0: um he definitely gave someone a breast exam
1: <laughs> right okay in his yeah. office in a clinical yeah. setting
0: yeah there's the implication that he had just done like a like a
1: oh right breast exam right. So he is actually a legitimate doctor in that film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's a real yeah, MD. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: yeah not waving. Not Not waving his hands over people, healing them with the proper no. assortments of energy. Um. Yeah. Well, uh, as Michael Siegler is not a extremely wealthy man who likes to attend orgies and uh anonymously underneath a a cloak and mask um but rather a small child that uh whose mom has him going to both martial arts and piano practice which i mean that's 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 fine i i
0: yeah it's like hello ladies (sighs) (laughs) for (laughs) michael's
1: yes um so when, when we got a little reenactment of, uh, dropping them off at, um, and I think I, I kind of, I definitely saw this episode cause I remember, uh, one of our later segments pretty well, but I also kind of remember this moment when like Michael and his two friends, they go into uh, the, um, martial arts dojo and Michael for some reason leaves his hand on the, uh frame of the door so as the metal door is coming in it like cuts off his Mm -hmm. finger or and Mm -hmm. or not just cuts it off cleanly but like sort of i guess like they kind of give a really
0: like really mangles it yeah
1: uh and i guess he was in shock or something because he went up to his mom it was like it was interesting is in the in the interview his mom said something like uh, that, that Michael came up and said, I pinched my finger. And then in the reenactment, he says yeah. something totally different. And I'm like, that's not the same. That's not the same thing. Anyway, uh, so he goes up to his mom. You know, he, he wasn't really feeling it at first because I guess he was in shock. And she sees that he, he his, mm-hmm. his finger's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And she describes finding like this mangled like thing of flesh... Uh, in the doorway of the of the dojo, and was like, "Well, I guess that mm. that must be it." And I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, probably <laughs> the the bloody piece of a human being." Yeah, in, in the doorway is almost certainly your your son's finger. You don't really encounter that those too often walking into a business. Uh,
0: yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: so, and then. Of course, she performs therapy,
0: not first aid, mind you. <laughs>
1: not first aid. No, no. The-
0: she doesn't attempt to stop the bleeding with a tourniquet or a compression.
1: The the most, as far as I can <laughs> yeah. tell. In the reenactment, <laughs> she's she's waving her her hands. Janet Sigler, no re- no relation to the Siglers of New York. Um, waving her hands around. And, you know, I guess aligning the energy, whatever. Um, Yeah. So she goes to the doctor's office and she's doing it the whole time. And the doctor comes in and is like, hey, I don't think we're going to be able to reattach this. And she's like, well, can't you Mm -hmm. get it reattached? Because he has, uh, you know, like he has a promising career as a pianist.
0: Yeah. He, he must play. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, you know, the doctor's like, well, I guess we can try. And mm-hmm. and while he's getting ready to do it, uh, Janet's, you know, she's waving in the reenactment. She's waving her hand over. And uh, she says that the doctor asked her, like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm doing therapeutic blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I've never heard of that mm-hmm. before, but uh, please mm-hmm. keep doing it, which I think I mean it makes sense like if I was a doctor it's like mm-hmm. okay whatever thing this woman's doing where she's waving her hand over the um the you know the the boy's hand the boy seems to be pretty calm mm-hmm. and not fidgeting around mm-hmm. uh i mm-hmm. you know whatever it is it's probably absolute nonsense but it's keeping him calm and that's going to help with the procedure mm-hmm. I feel like Janet kind of, like, her retroactive view on it was that, like, the doctor was just totally blown away by what was happening. (laughs) It was like, whoa, this is a whole new level of medicine this woman's doing. I I didn't realize such a thing was possible.
0: Right, right. I mean, mean, she might as well have just been, like, humming a lullaby and petting her son's head or something to keep him calm. Like, you know, I mean, there is well i'll get into that later but please continue. yeah
1: yeah and so we get like uh another doctor's like a plastic surgeon and you know they, they sort of relate going to him periodically and each time they go in he's like yeah this finger's not gonna eventually it's, it's yeah. not gonna make it um but yeah. but it does but it actually does it 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 it, it takes and, of course, naturally, Janet believes it's because of all the therapeutic touch that she's been practicing. Right. I, l- I like how Unsolved Mysteries has grown up present-day Michael sit at a piano and play it. Mm-hmm. Um, to I guess to demonstrate like how just how effective that therapeutic touch was in reattaching his, uh, you know, restoring his finger. Uh, Mm -hmm. whoa whoa wait a second so what okay you know in eyes wide shut Tom Cruise has the friend Uh who's playing the well I mean it's a keyboard but the piano at the at the at the orgy or you know and before then at the club he was a he was a pianist
0: wow (laughs) I mean the connections here are undeniable I mean, I wasn't even making these connections while I was watching Unsolved Mysteries, but here they are, and they, we can't ignore them.
1: No, no. No, not at all. Uh, clearly, there's uh, there's something deeper here. Um,
0: um, you know, listening to this story about Michael Ziegler, uh, it reminded me, I uh, my co-worker's friend, a couple of months ago, she was out with her husband and a friend. Okay. And this very thing happened to oh, her friend. Oh God. He he lost a finger in a slam door. At a bar. Okay. And the EMTs came and they were like
1: waving their hands.
0: Oh no! Don't bother! Don't bother saving the stubs. Like we don't want those. And then, like, uh, my friend and her husband were like. No, we we put them on ice. We went back in the bar and got and put put the stubs on it. I think it was two fingers. Okay,
1: two. Damn. Maybe. All
0: right. Two. Yeah, it was like the top, the top joint. Oh. So it was not, you know what yeah. I mean. He he would have been okay without the the fingertips basically. Yeah. He uh yeah, and they saved him, and the EMTs were like, oh, we don't want those. Like, what you like? It's gone. It's done. And then when they got to the hospital. Um, the people in the ER were like, oh, thank God you saved them and put them on ice. You did the right thing. We can reattach them. And so I, <laughs> of course, and as far as I know, that guy's fine. Um, but he was also interestingly, very calm. So, uh, my friend was like, oh my God, what is going on? And then her husband like puked. <laughs> because it was kind of gruesome (laughs) but the guy that it actually happened to uh was just totally calm through the whole thing oh and i think i think it's probably disposition combined with like total shock right yeah your body kind of goes into this protective mode to to keep you calm and uh, uh, you know
1: that seems like it makes sense anyway i just
0: it's so funny that like where I'm listening to this story on Unsolved Mysteries, and like this literally happened to like a friend of a friend a few months ago. <laughs> Same exact situation.
1: I I like, I like the the total and um the, the the total disconnect between what the the EMTs were like, which is like get rid of those yeah. things. We don't we don't yeah. want those. Yeah, <laughs> they're but done at the hospital. Like, thank God he brought that. Can you imagine yeah. what it would feel like if you had like just discarded them on the EMT's advice, and then the hospital's like, "Okay, where's where's the where's the parts?" And I'm like, "What?"
0: Well, I just exactly. I'm just s- saying there seems to be a lot of the the jury's on out on whether or not the fingers can be saved in any situation. The,
1: there does seem to, yeah, so... there does seem to be a lot of debate uh, around this. Um, I think it's probably just a pretty, it's a fairly good rule of thumb. If like you lose a limb, at least, at least Mm. bring it with you. Right. If it can't.
0: Right. Well, it's also, it's
1: yours. Well, yeah, that too.
0: (laughs) It's your fingers. It's your limb. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you gotta, (laughs) you got just be leaving these things around. No. You gotta bring it with you. It's yours. It's yours. You know?
1: Yeah. I
0: uh, Was there another... Ther- there. was This was a really long segment. What? And I'm kind of getting sick of Unsolved Mysteries starting every episode with a bunch of woo. Because that's what they've been doing the last yeah. three episodes, if I recall.
1: I've noticed this as well.
0: It's been like miracles. It's been like the last thing was like mother's <laughs> intuition. And then now it's therapeutic. I'm like, why are we doing this?
1: I, I feel like what what happened. Because I do feel like Certainly that the last, for a while now, the unexplained segments they've been shoehorning into this show have been really underwhelming. I feel like maybe maybe they blew the special effects budget on the UFO stuff early in the season. Mm. (laughs) So now they're having to (laughs) scramble to find fairly low cost low special effect um, <laughs> unexplained segments to give us which is another thing it's sort of interesting that this is an unexplained I really kind of feel like this This is like a, shouldn't this be a Psymed segment
0: yeah I mean we haven't had a Psymed in a while, but this, I think this would definitely. We fall. have very
1: few sci meds, and here's an opportunity to <laughs> label something as, as one, right? And well, well, I mean, here's here's my point.
0: It's not really psy, and it's not really med. Well, is no,
1: it? <laughs> of course not. It's it is definitely neither of those things. But neither was any of the other psy med <laughs> segments we had. <laughs> um, but <laughs> here's my point, though, because uh, we've had so few of them. If you're not going to mm-hmm. give us Symed segments, why not just remove that as an episode as a segment type? I mean, it's included in the scroll every time we. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It totally is. Oh, every episode, it's included in the scroll, and it's like you couldn't you just sort of pinch that out because I don't feel like it's. It's yeah. really um Do you
0: think they forgot that that was an option for them? Oh, that,
1: okay, that that could be uh, an interpretation. I was thinking that it was sort of like a path dependent situation where to go in mm-hmm. and remove it would actually cost enough that like the producers of the show are like, "No, no, we'll just leave it in." <laughs> Save the money yeah. for to use on the segment. Yeah, I
0: think they left it in and then they forgot about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, because they're calling this segment just the unexplained. Um, I like how they they interview like this nurse named Bonnie, who's like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's like, look, I mean, obviously, if uh, someone's feeling calm because of something, that's going to have some sort of effect on their disposition, which can have an effect on how, how they um how they uh recover but the but she's mm-hmm. unambiguous like but it's a placebo it's a placebo mm-hmm. she's like i mean she she doesn't say literally that this is bullshit but you can tell that's her, her perspective yeah. and then they interviewed Dolores the I guess one of the originator mm-hmm. the or the originator of this 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 thing and she's just like you spirit energy, blah 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 blah. Whatever. Anyway, so uh, right. the other, yeah, the other story in the segment was like um, uh, this couple. They got uh, the husband. When you see him in the interviews, he kind of looks like a older, heavier Super Mario. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, yes. <laughs> and you know, it's like mother. Mother is pregnant. Um, There's danger in the birth and the baby's not going to be in the clear. And even when the baby's born, both the health of the baby and mother are in question. And oh, my God. So there is some nurse. um, God, what was her name? Um, There's some nurse who's just like going around. uh, And it's like, you know, when when it's her shift to look after the baby, she's waving her hands over it. And, uh, and you know, the, the husband goes by George is like, look, I'm an accountant. I don't really believe this stuff, but I mean, every time she came by, the baby seemed to be doing so much better. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess I can see where like, you know, if you, if you're in that situation, like you'll just feel better. If you think, if you're thinking like this person's helping or doing something, um, but I don't know, like unsolved mysteries. Takes this line of like, well, you know, it would seem ridiculous, but you know, if if uh, if it if it can be you know uh, performed and we can see the results, then it's real, right? And it's like, well, okay, but I mean, in these cases, if if the uh, person who was doing the uh, therapeutic touch had instead been it, let's say this was the 1800s and they were instead praying mm-hmm. um or they were doing one, uh, something else I I and I, I know you're gonna get into the whole thing but I, I feel like it's just you know if there's any effect it's just you know it's just the, the same sort of placebo, You know, people feel better when they, you know, okay, you know, there's this thing, it's blah 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 blah, Uh, and the the segment mentions like it doesn't always work. It was like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, people who have their fingers severed, like, and they get reattached, sometimes it it will work and sometimes it won't i mean i mean i mean in terms of like the, sometimes the finger will you know take and it or it won't and mm-hmm. you know all, all this all this jazz like it's just like you know are i feel like the segment's sort of just magnifying the successes and just sort of like you know sort of coughing past the the the, the failures
0: yeah i i will say this i found it dubious that that nurse slash practitioner claimed to be the originator of therapeutic touch because as at least as it was described in the unsolved mystery segment, it seems very similar to the practice of Reiki, which is the idea that for, for whatever purposes you're moving energy around Mm -hmm. as a practitioner, you're moving your energy around Mm -hmm. someone else's body for emotional or physical healing or whatever so uh, first of all i don't understand this is sort of a distinction without a difference i think between therapeutic touch and reiki and i this woman definitely didn't invent reiki right Um, so there's that um i'm not sure which came first i'm sure reiki sort of took off around the same time a lot of this this sort of um for lack of better better term new agey stuff did in the um 70s um so but i i tend to agree with listen i have a i have a friend who uh was doing some reiki work for a while okay. and um a couple years ago i was having a lot of i still have trouble with it but i was having a lot of pain in my right shoulder mm-hmm. and um she she you know, did some Reiki on me and I definitely felt the energy shift, right? Because it feels nice to have a friend put hands on you in a caring way. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that feels nice. And being cared for feels nice and can be calming. Um, I agree that it can aid with healing. You know, if you're um, stressed, stressed out, people don't heal very well. Right. You know what right. I mean? So, if you can keep the, through whatever means, keep the adrenaline and whatnot uh, to a manageable level in your body, you, you're more likely to heal faster, right? Yeah. And, and cortisol, that's the other stress hormone, right? So, in that sense, um, yeah, it felt nice for me on the other hand like I had I had a pretty significant tear in my shoulder it's still there (laughs) you know and it's physical therapy is what helped it feel better so you know it's I think at best it it can you know showing compassion for another person can yeah aid their healing at worst though if you're replacing it for basic first aid as this woman (laughs) did with her
1: son
0: yeah at the beginning of the segment um it can be really dangerous so
1: yeah i i think that's i think that's a good line to have on this um yeah, and you make yeah you make a good point. Like knowing that you have a friend who cares about you, and you know they're they're doing whatever, and you know it's it's more that like oh you know at least I'm not alone in this and and whatnot. And it just uh, yeah it puts you in a, a a more relaxed, better state of mind. I mean, you're going to be more relaxed than you would be if you were wandering all over Manhattan trying to like score some sort of sexual encounter and just being frustrated right. every single single time
0: yeah and spending a lot of money only to be unsuccessful it's like he spends a lot of money <laughs> he
1: does <laughs> now that you mentioned it like there's yeah there's a lot of cash transactions happening in, uh, in many of these encounters yeah
0: um shall we um retire to <laughs> uh, oh the uh yeah yeah let's let, let's talk mm-hmm. about
1: something that you know
0: really happened
1: we got an unexplained death
0: yeah and before we get into this can I throw a quick little content warning oh, on this yeah, sure hey we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about suicide uh f- for about 10 minutes so if that's not that that's upsetting to you or you don't want to hear that kind of thing just maybe skip ahead 10 11 minutes and then we'll be done talking about
1: mm-hmm. it that's yeah. all uh, this segment takes us to um, I believe it was in Ohio it's always in Ohio uh, Cheryl Lombardi was she, you know starts out in the reenactment she's in bed reading and her she he- hears the sound of what she thinks is her son coming home you know there's a there's some st- sound in the house and the door opens so she goes to uh, in the the check on him um. And I appreciate like in the they at least how they depicted in the reenactment is she knocks before just walking in. Um, mm-hmm. As a, I think every young man would appreciate their mother's doing that and not just barging into the room. Anyway, um, so unfortunately, she comes across her her son is is deceased in his bed. Um, with a gunshot wound to the head, and this is going to be one of those you know the authorities believe it was a suicide. Um, uh, the mother obviously thinks there's uh differently. She believes there's some sort of foul play involved. Uh, you know the the particulars are because like he was he's lying in bed. There's a gun on the floor uh, next to the bed. And the initial, um, it was sort of interesting because the, the, the one inspector or whoever they talked to, he said that like, we treat all deaths initially as a homicide until we work out that it wasn't. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Which I feel, I feel like it's not, not always the case. Uh, I feel, because I once mm-hmm. walked, uh, not to go into too many details, but when uh, when I was in elementary school, I walked in on what, uh, you know, turned out to be a suicide. And I kind of feel like, you know, the, uh, the authorities, when they showed up and they did their stuff and they're just like, I mean, the day of, right before they left... Uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, he, he seems to have shot himself. Um, so, like, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe this is, varies by jurisdictions. Anyway. The...
0: I'm not sure, yeah, that there's anything in the old police handbook that says that you have to treat every death as a homicide until proven otherwise. I mean, that's a hell of a take, right? Right a lot of people die yeah
1: it's 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 uh it happens to j- just about everyone i mean unless you're you're a yeah. vampire or you uh, have some sort of funky magic painting made of you um yeah, yeah it's i yeah I, I feel like yeah i don't feel like that's a, a thing that's universal and but and you know there's th- there did seem to be some things that suggested something cuz like his car was not present uh, at the house mm-hmm. which uh, to me you know it's like well that's quite a co- that'd be quite a coincidence for the car to just be stolen by some third other party uh and mm-hmm. so they're working off that but then it, i guess what they found out was that he had had um that tony had had a dui a few days before uh, and the, mm-hmm. the car was actually it was impounded at some lot, uh, other police agency's lot, mm-hmm. and then
0: so the police discovered that they they had the the car right, basically <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, and then they make a really to me it is kind of a weird conclusion that like because to, uh, Tony was uh, his license was go- going to be suspended. And he was facing fines mm-hmm. and stuff, so their their conclusion was he was so despondent over this uh, as as they put it, a young man losing his freedom, which is you know the, I guess the freedom to right around, um, that he uh, he chose to commit suicide. I mm. I mean I don't. That seems like that seems like pretty big to me, uh, like. I feel mm-hmm. like most people, you know, they they lose their license and stuff. And it's like, shit, now I got to spend six to ten months in traffic school or whatever. And I got to do this and I mm-hmm. got to pass, you know, whatever to get my license back. Um, you know, I don't <laughs> it, it, it didn't seem like it was. I mean, Yeah, it doesn't seem like enough to want to terminate your life over right am I am I just off base there
0: no but I, I think it can be a final straw that's true if, if there's and other stuff
1: going on yeah
0: like every single incidence of someone who does this you never really know what their reasons are yeah yeah Um. You, I, I mean yeah the police can come up with their reason but who really knows i mean the mom comes up with a lot of like this that and the other thing why it can't be so Mm -hmm. but i don't find any of it terribly convincing and i mean uh we're about to come up on our 10 minute limit of talking about this but yeah it's just there have been i feel like we've had a number of these segments now Mm -hmm. where it's pretty pretty open and shut suicide yeah (laughs) that's what it is and by unsolved mysteries coming in and kind of like fanning the flames of the family's hopes that maybe it was i mean it's a you know it's such a terrible thing and we've talked about it before you're never there's no closure you're never going to get an answer that satisfies you as to why someone you love did this to themselves it doesn't exist it's awful
1: yeah
0: it's just fucking awful and that's just how it is sometimes Mm -hmm. And I think you know, by unsolved mysteries, going, but maybe it was the. I mean, this it's shitty. Yeah. You know, and I, I really don't like these segments. Like passionately, don't like uh, them because we we've, we've had a number, right? Now. And there was only one instance. Uh, it was back when it was like the Mississippi jail. Do you remember yeah. that one? And it was the young man who had basically been harassed by the cops and then put in jail and then turned up you know dead the next day after being in jail for a few hours like that was pretty clearly not suicide Mm -hmm. but every other time that this has come up in unsolved mysteries it's like yeah i think i think the cops have the facts straight here you know you're never really gonna know why but as far as the physical evidence that presents here yeah that's what happened regardless of what you want to believe so i don't know i didn't like this segment very much it's really upsetting
1: i'm sorry well do you want to go do you want to move on to a a really heartwarming segment
0: yeah i definitely want to move on to a heartwarming segment but it starts during the vietnam war though so here we go uh
1: fortunate there's there's no there's no plane of fortunate son uh Connor could make that yeah. happen, <laughs> though,
0: for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't get any credence in on this one. So, and I think probably the reason was that cost too much money. And as we went Dry over, bear. they ran out of money at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so way back in 1963, which if I recall was very early in Yeah. Uh, um, Mitchell Shigemoto, uh, who lived in Hawaii, was 17 years old at the time. He volunteers for the army, mm-hmm. um, and he signs up for the 173rd Airborne Division. Now, that's distinctive because it is a very competitive uh, division. So Mitchell went in with a couple hundred, <clears throat> uh, a couple hundred students. I think um, only 200 ended up graduating the program. Yeah, and. S-
1: yeah, it was like. It, it's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it's like about a quarter uh, made mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So.
0: And uh, Mitchell Sh- uh, Shigemoto, I believe he's of uh, Japanese descent, but um, that didn't really matter to anybody else.
1: Clearly not. <laughs> in
0: the army. <laughs> That There is a distinction between being a Japanese-American and, um, you know, being North Vietnamese, but they didn't really seem to care. And so there was a reoccurring theme of Mitchell gets shipped out to Okinawa before they send him off to Vietnam to finish his training. And Okinawa is kind of, um, the U.S. Army sort of overrun that area of Japan. Yes. I don't have a nicer way to put that. Um, but Okinawans know, they know. Uh so there's you know, various sections of Okinawa that are basically just Americans only and a whole economy based around that it's a very complicated situation and it's ongoing, but there it is. So anyway, Mitchell goes over there and he's I mean, he's in the barracks and I guess back then in the army you would get paid in cash. And so he, you know, we see the reenactment of Mitchell's trying to, like, sort of slyly stow his (laughs) pay under the mattress. But he keeps, like, people on his unit keep stealing from him.
1: Yeah, it sucks.
0: Because he's Asian?
1: I guess.
0: (laughs) That sucks, you guys. It does. What the fuck? I mean, like, you're all still in the army, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean at the very least uh they uh, any of these guys may have to rely on Mitch to save their life at some point
0: um right you know
1: it, it's um uh i i would i would be if if there was someone who might, potentially might be in a position where like my life would depend on them i would want to avoid mm-hmm. antagonizing them just in case right uh, yeah right
0: I mean, this is so low-class, I can't even be- I mean, I can believe it because people are garbage. Right? But <laughs> I expect better, maybe naively, yeah. of uh, at least particular um, divisions in the Army. Yes. Uh, so being in Okinawa, there was, you know, they... the the boys the boys got to go out they got to go out sometimes and um no one invited poor mitchell the other thing that's really hold on the other thing that's really fucked about this is that mitchell signed up he signed up he wanted to be there he wanted to serve his country just like everyone else who was there what the fuck anyway okay so um so we get in the reenactment mitchell's sitting on his bunk and this uh, guy comes over he's also in the division and he says to Mitchell he's like hey a bunch of us are going out tonight um why don't you come it'll be a good time you know we're gonna go out to some nightclubs and listen to some music and drink some beer and talk to girls etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing here but you get yes. the idea and Mitchell was like no 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 and i don't think i can tonight and i just can't afford it and and so the soldier who would come up to him his name is jim pearson he's he knew that you know the other men in the barracks were stealing from mitchell and so he gave mitchell 20 dollars and he said yeah don't worry about it just come out with us you know and and jim knew that mitchell was being bullied and <laughs> stolen yeah <from>
1: him. <laughs> yeah like like
0: everything else
1: i i saw this segment as a kid and it was just like it really left a mark on me like i mean it's like the the way that that uh jim is like took mitchell you know under uh um under his protection like you know really makes an impression
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think i get it you know um so, and I think this is, it doesn't really come up in the segment, but, it, you know, it's worth mentioning that Jim Pearson is an African-American soldier. Mm-hmm. And when he, uh, him and Mitchell became very good friends, and Jim basically took him out to all the black nightclubs, because that's how many Americans are stationed in Okinawa at any given time, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. That even the American stuff is segregated to <laughs> black necklace. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, Jim gets it. He gets what it's like to be yeah. the outsider and to be discriminated against. And, um, I think he, he saw an easy camaraderie with, with Mitchell. So they're best buds. Uh, and then, uh, you know, some time goes by and, uh, they were getting in line to be served at the mess and the soldier serving the food refuses to serve Mitchell and uh, unsolved mysteries has the reenactor lob a bunch of very racist (laughs) terms at Mitchell, which I won't repeat here, but you get the idea. Um, Again, uh, like guys, the mission in Vietnam was not to shoot every Asian guy.
1: Yeah, right it's uh i mean yeah like i mean well, and because the this mess situation this is when they're actually in vietnam um yeah like i mean you know you guys have he's clearly not vietnamese dude <laughs> like, what the fuck
0: um he's an american anyway some so mitchell's getting he, he this soldier refuses to serve him and um you know, Jim Pearson sees what the hell's going on. And he comes over and he's like, you better put some food on his plate or you're going to have a problem with me. And uh, then he kind of like, you know, fronts him a little bit. And uh, so then the soldier puts, you know, makes sure Mitchell gets his dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, fast forward to 1966 and so now we're, you know, three years in to this nonsense. Uh, they're, the uh, Airborne Division is getting... They're out there, man. They're in the jungle. They're getting fucking shot at. Charlie's everywhere, man. It's crazy. And uh, is that okay to say? Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I don't know. I,
1: th- I think so. I mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: is that one okay? Yeah, I I, I,
1: It's a lot um, better than everything else that was said in this segment.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're out there. They're getting shot at. And one day um, Mitchell gets shot in the leg. And um, Jim jumps right in front of Mitchell trying to save his life and pulls him out of the firing line. Um, You know, there was another GI involved named Salazar, and they defied regular... I guess they were supposed to leave Mitchell, but they ended up carrying him to the safety. And then Mitchell, at that point, he makes it back to the Army Hospital and then eventually back to Hawaii, where he was from, but he never sees Jim again. So... uh, they Mitchell told his wife Connie about this guy, Jim, who was his friend in the army, who saved his life. And they haven't, they've been very unsuccessful in trying to find Jim. Until Unsolved Mysteries got involved. No. Of course. So within minutes of this airing, um, a bunch of people called up the call center and said, Hey, we know Jim Pearson, we know where he's at. And they were able to get involved or and, not involved, in touch with Jim. And basically (laughs) here's how I imagine this went on Jim's end (laughs) when he got the phone call. Um, because the next thing we get is a update, which is Jim and for some reason, his entire family coming to (laughs) visit Mitchell (laughs) and his entire family. And so I'm sure when Jim got the call, they were like, "Hey, your old army buddy, uh, Mitchell Shigamoto, who lives in Hawaii, uh, is looking for you, and he'd love to see you again. And of course, we'll we'll try to facilitate a you know a reunion." And and then Jim, who's shivering probably to death in Chicago, says, "Hawaii, you say." <laughs> and then Jim puts the phone down and calls to his wife and kids. He's like, "Honey, pack your bags. We're going to paradise." I mean, how fast do you think Jim got on that plane? Uh-oh. Do you know I what I'm I mean? sure
1: well I'm sure there was no hesitation whatsoever. None.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I And uh, Damn.
0: I'm sure Jim was like we're going to Hawaii. <laughs> over his shoulder. And so, yeah, so they had a really lovely reunion, and they show uh, Jim getting laid by, don't be filthy people, getting, uh, it's a traditional Hawaiian greeting of putting a flower necklace around somebody's neck, uh, getting laid by Mitchell's <laughs> wife and daughter. <laughs> um,
1: I, I'm sorry, I know you said that to be filthy. <laughs> um yeah no it's when it, what what I found uh uh interesting about the reunion other than just how heartwarming it was was they they actually have a flashback to to Vietnam play mm-hmm. and then they return back to the reunion um it it's it, yeah it was like I saw this segment as a kid it always stuck with me and it just it's just um you know, in an episode of sadness and bullshit, uh, this, 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 this was, I, I'm not normal. People know me. They know I'm not like a lost love guy. Sorry. Yeah. But this, 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 yeah. this one really got to me. So
0: it's cool. nice. You know, these, these guys, uh, we looking out for each other and they were both sort of the, the odd man out in a difficult situation mm-hmm. and. They really um uh, you know Jim really put his life on the line for Mitchell. And I think that really s- says a, you know just a ton about who Jim is, right? Yeah. And not even that just showing basic decency to somebody who was not being treated very well by
1: anyone. Right, else. right. I mean so. cuz if you're a decent human yeah. being uh and yeah. you know if 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 you've if you've experienced like getting treated horribly like, if you're a decent human being, that means that you're empathetic to other people who get treated horribly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, speaking of being treated horribly, <laughs> let's go to another uh, group of islands. <laughs> the Azores. <laughs> All right. So, the Azores. What do you know about the Azores, Robbie?
1: <laughs> uh, let's see here. When did they... When did they first uh, receive human habitation? I feel like they were kind of uninhabited for a while, right? Until uh, the age of exploration.
0: Yeah, I mean, recently inhabited uh, volcanic islands, much like Hawaii, Mm -hmm. um, off the coast of Portugal, uh, everybody that lives in the Azores is Portuguese or speaks Portuguese, and that's what's going on there. Um, so this is a story about, uh, Alice Vieira and, um, as told from the point of view of her twin sister, Georgina and <laughs> unsolved mysteries <laughs> kind of makes a lot of,
1: um,
0: c- like culturally relative apologist things for a lot of domestic violence, <laughs> basically.
1: Yeah. And
0: there's like a lot of shit going on in this so basically alice when she was 10 she lived in the united states in new bedford massachusetts and new bedford massachusetts this is just something i happen to randomly know is a is a massive azorian uh immigration immigrant community um yeah california actually also has a massive azorian immigrant community based around manteca california (laughs) that's neither here nor there uh so alice gets this letter from her first cousin david that he was he still lived in the azores and he wrote to her and he said hey we're cousins let's be boyfriend and girlfriend and then alice's super super strict catholic parents were like this is fine.
1: <laughs> not only, f-
0: why don't you guys write each other? Let's keep it in the family. That sounds good. And, and Unsolved Mysteries and Robert Stack is quickly to point out that that was not an uncommon arrangement in um, traditional Portuguese families. Yes. I I realize it's maybe it's fine, but genetically it's not. No. So don't. No,
1: don't. Don't. Like, it. Ha- don't. you have to be out to what? Like, third cousins and outwards before, like, it's before you start having enough genetic diversity that you're not just totally yeah yeah um don't
0: don't do no, this
1: no no <laughs>
0: like and don't apologize for it either on self mysteries this is just it, i don't care that that's tradition it's just unwise it's, um, yeah it's, it's
1: so re- really weird apologism and, and i mean and mm-hmm. it's not just that the father found it fine. That was kind of the the mother's mm-hmm. tack event you know eventually the the father thought it was great. He like was like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's get the cousins married, you know. Uh cuz he, he you know uh David David's uh they David's part of my family. So mm-hmm. mm.
0: Yeah. Sorry, this this whole thing wasn't told from the point of view of Georgina Aruda. She's not even a part of this. It's Fatima is the one that's narrating basically yeah. the story. Um, and, you know, Fatima's explaining how strict um, their father was with, with all the girls in the family. Like, basically, they could go to school and come home and that was they it. They
1: can't even sit out on the front porch. Yeah.
0: No, they can't even do that. Um, So you know Alice gets this letter so they're writing back and forth for a number of years and then finally by the time that um Alice was 17 I think yeah she travels back to the azores on the first time she's meeting or seeing D- david in person who was just 16 at the time also the reenactor looked about 40
1: <laughs> he did he literally <laughs> did i i was i was, uh- I was- That caused a little bit of confusion for me. It's like, are they depicting like a marriage that happened a few decades after the engagement or what's going on here?
0: Yeah, it was very strange choice. I mean, David was actually younger than Alice in this situation, but um, they cast someone who looked like he was about 40 years old. Uh, Anyway, so Alice, uh, you know, marries David sort of sight unseen and things really go downhill pretty quickly uh she has a number of children with him um he moves to the united states and um he doesn't speak english which is kind of an issue um yeah and there's i'm not gonna get into all this but basically he's david's beating on her and the kids just for any little thing and a number of times uh alice went to her parents saying like i can't take it anymore and i need to leave him like this isn't gonna work and then the parents would basically shame her into staying with him and fuck this into the ground yeah (laughs) forever because i understand i and for so many reasons parents have done this but basically saying like the shame that you might bring upon this family is greater than the worth of your life
1: yeah it's uh...
0: and fuck that into the ground seriously um because you can kind of see where the story is going eventually fatima after i think something like 14 years of marriage um she pieces out she's like i'm done i'm an american woman i'm out of here i don't need i don't need this shit in my life she takes the kids okay yeah. um she starts seeing uh, another fellow well you know david of course is stalking her and you know sending Threatening letters, and finally one day, um, while uh, Alice is at home with her new man, David comes in the house and attacks her. Uh, the boyfriend runs down to the police station to get the police, but by the time they come back, the police, it's of course too late. I don't need to go into how many times David stabbed Alice, but as you can imagine, it was a lot. Yeah. Um. So this is a wanted segment. <laughs> uh, David takes off
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and now unsolved mysteries at the prompting of alice's sister uh, fatima is looking for david and there's an update there is
1: indeed he was
0: there is an update that um well they find him (laughs) he's in montreal in the Azorian community, there and they interview for whatever reason some guys <laughs> <laughs> that David works with. Yeah, let's get the let's get them to weigh in on this, please. It's two, it's, like they couldn't do believe...
1: coworkers at the fish place. They, they... Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You'd have to show me a picture to like a picture of what? Alice's dead body with David smiling next to it. What do you need to see? fuck this shit man yeah her parents now these guys being like oh no he couldn't have done it well he did it he did it there are you're gonna have to show me a
1: picture because i
0: yeah i just it's just this whole culture of apologizing for violent and abusive men and not believing women even after they're dead like you have all the evidence that you need Someone died here. The police are saying, yep, it was this guy and we're looking for him. They're like, Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Believe it, baby. Also, why was Unsolved Mysteries interviewing them?
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> why I mean, like, usually why, why were they even
1: involved? Yeah, usually, usually, if they interview anyone, it's whoever called the number. Like, oh, I recognize that my neighbor right. across the street was the guy. So I called.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, you know, you know it was no one in that community in Montreal. Right. That gave up. You know, that's not how this went down, right? Like yeah. it was definitely someone who was like, "I believe that young man works in the fish <laughs> shop," and then like,
1: <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. He's
1: he's wait. He's, yes. he's 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 wait. Cut out and weighed many of a fish fillet for me before. So I I know exactly. You know, yeah. It's gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean. Obviously, David is, you know, the, the villain in this segment, but mm-hmm. I did want to go into that fish mart and like punch both those guys.
0: Yeah. But... Yeah. Everyone except the sister and Alice in the story is absolute trash. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: They're just the worst, you know, like in this country, women have rights. <laughs> Okay, so if you didn't want to deal with that, I mean, they are diminishing and growing fewer by the day, but at least the expectation that uh, not to be stalked and harassed by your ex-husband and to not have your parents basically apologize for that, I think is it's pretty it's a pretty low expectation. And it's a shame that no one besides her sister could live up to that in this segment so anyway hey <laughs> if you if you want to get in touch with us
1: i know it's hysterical how would you do that right? <laughs> um uh reenacted pod at uh, uh you know at, at reenacted pod on tw- twitter uh facebook reenacted fans podcast something or ever um yeah Yeah. sounds good reenacted pod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email uh go
0: and we have gotten some lovely listener emails lately
1: i love reading you guys know who you are um if you go over the patreon uh one dollar tier to support us or a five dollar tier to really support us which by the way um you're a five dollar tier person and uh I mean most of them have, have by now sent us their their addresses but not everyone
0: cuz we're going to come visit them <laughs> <laughs> one by one
1: yeah I, I swear i will i will uh, it will be a lot more pleasant than than what what those those fish shop guys are going to uh, be getting when i visit montreal at some point <laughs> um by this point they're probably sufficiently old enough that i could i, I might be able to take them Uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, no, I just, um, I have some, uh, some reward things to ship out and not most of you have been good and you've given us your addresses and that's great, Mm -hmm. but, um, not everyone has.
0: Yeah. Get with it, people.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to send you things. If you're sending us $5 a month, uh, maybe maybe uh maybe log into your your patreon and um you know you you might find that you have a message from us like hey where do we send your reward stuff so that it's not just so that they just mm-hmm. don't a- accumulate in a pile on on robbie's desk
0: what you're saying is uh, you have a pile i might, trying to get rid I, might
1: of? Uh, I think uh i think the particular individual in this case is will Will, if you're, if you're aware, if
0: you, Will, yeah. what are you doing?
1: Give us your your mailing address. Um, you'll you'll get some cool stuff in the mail.
0: <laughs> we promise no, we're not actually no. going to come to your house. Um, Robbie, do you want to do the thing?
1: Join us next Wednesday for another intriguing edition of Unsolved Mysteries.